All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Advice for Life. This is where you get, well, wait for it, Advice for Life. That's literally what we're doing here. The name is on point. Okay, so uh, throughout this course, we're looking at Jewish advice specifically as uh, formulated and, uh, and articulated by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, blessed memory, advice on practical areas in life, uh, some of the biggest questions answered, some of the biggest dilemmas um, clarified, and uh, a direction in life. So today's class is all about health and healing. I want to begin with a story. The story goes that the rabbi is in the hospital, and the president of the board visits the rabbi in the hospital. And <coughs> the president says, on behalf of the board, I'd like to wish you a refu shlema, which means a very uh, speedy recovery. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me start that again. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. All right. Hold on. The president of the board says, I have good news and bad news. That's what it was. Good news and bad news. The rabbi says, all right, give me the good news. The, the president says, the good news is, uh, the board wishes you a refuah shleim, blessings and wishes for a healthy and speedy recovery. The rabbi says, okay, what's the bad news? The bad news is, the vote was 5-4. <laughs> all right. I'm trying. I'm trying. We're eventually getting there with these jokes. Um, another joke, rabbi goes to uh, the hospital for an operation. He brings his talis and tefillin, you know, like the prayer shawl and the, the tefillin. Tefillin, the translation of the tefillin, are, of tefillin are phylacteries, but I don't know that that helps any. If you know, <laughs> Phylacteries. By the way, where are phylacteries made? You guys know this, right? In a phylactery factory. No. Anyway, that was just a joke. So anyway, so the rabbi comes in, talis and tefillin. It just sounds like factory. Comes in with house and tefillin, and uh, the next morning after the surgery, he's wrapping tefillin, and the fellow next to him in the you know the bed in his next to him in his room, his his roommate says to him, "No wonder they say about you Jews that you guys are so smart. You're here less than 24 hours. You're already taking your own blood pressure." <laughs> okay, all right, I'm I'm straight. Eventually, we I'm my own warm up act. So like we're we're getting there. Um, oh, God was, God was uh, you know, get wrapping up uh, creating Adam, the first human being. He says to the angels, hey, add some toes, add a bunch of toes. The angels say, why? God says, uh, well, it's not for him, it's for the furniture. Just wait, till, wait to see how much fun that's going to be. Furniture, toes. No, okay, all right, should have stopped with the, uh, the other one. Okay, um, by the way, before we, we jump into today's class, I do want to say that Today's class is um, dedicated uh, uh, for the Rafu Shlema, the speedy recovery, um, for Duvid Ben. Give me one second. Um, Duvid Ben Aranet, um, Doran Swerdlin, who's usually in this class. So he, uh, he's in the hospital right now, so we all wish him very healthy, very uh, speed, full and speedy recovery. You should get out and be back here in this class next Wednesday. Let us say amen. amen. Okay, so friends, today's class is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Chaim Ben Lea Rivka should have a Rufu Shlema, healing and good health and uh, all the blessings that he needs. Now, let's say amen. So our topic today is physical health and wellness. And what we discuss today, I believe, will change the way we all think about health 
and recovery, uh, medicine, doctors, and the healing process, um, generally speaking. What we're going to do today is look at the very unique and holistic approach to health and healing that the Rebbe had and the Rebbe taught in his advice to thousands and thousands of people. And by now, you know about the Rebbe, because we've talked about the Rebbe for a few weeks, the Rebbe's scholarship, his leadership, his, his you know, being a visionary, but more relevant to, to this course is his interactions with individuals. Thousands, tens of thousands of individuals over the years reached out to the Rebbe, whether in person or by, you know, by letter or by phone, asking questions. And I will say that a, a large percentage of those questions were regarding health. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Do we know the numbers? Like, is the, is the health-related questions the most questions that we're asking? So that's a very good, that's, like, that's a good question about the questions. I, I, I didn't run the numbers. I'm sure it's possible. I, I believe I would, I would venture a guess to say that, based, and also based on, I, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's up there. If, if not the most, very close to the most of questions coming in with regards to health. And questions such as, you know, should I go ahead with this operation? Should I go ahead with this, with this path of healing? You know, how do I stay positive, you know, with a with negative prognosis, et cetera? The Reb advised, Patience, and I don't even like to say the word patience. People needing healing, right? The Reb advised individuals. The Reb advised doctors. The Reb advised professors. The Reb advised so many uh, people with regards to health and healing. The Reb had what to say. So we're going to uh, today explore the Reb's take on health and healing, and see how that is transformative um, and relevant. And of course, as we go through today's lesson, we're going to have the incredible opportunity to look at a bunch of videos. There are six lesson videos. My goal is to get through all of them today. Um, each one either shares, you hear directly from the Rebbe about his advice for health, or you hear from a person who the Rebbe guided and advised and counseled with regards to health and healing. So either way, it's pretty much firsthand accounts of, uh, of the Rebbe's guidance vis-a-vis -vis health and healing. So today's class takes part in four acts, act one, Holistic. Act two, health. Act three, healing. Act four, doctors. All right, we have a lot to get to. Let's rock and roll. So before we jump into our direct discussion about health, I want to take a half a step back and just give you a bit of an, an overarching perspective on how the Rebbe looked at really life itself. The Rebbe had a very unique vision, and you see this manifest in many different areas, whether it's regard to Torah study itself or even the first two sessions that we had, the Rebbe had a very holistic view of reality. And I'll tell you what I mean by holistic. Everything is connected. In other words, there's no divide between the spiritual and the physical. Everything comes from one God, which means that everything ultimately is bound into oneness. When we say the Shema, right? Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. When we say God is one, what does that really mean? So Kabbalah teaches, Jewish mystical teaches, that God is one really means that there's oneness that pervades all of reality. You don't have two separate realities. It's not like there's a world and then there's God or there's materialism and spirituality. You have really, it's, it's all oneness. The divide only exists in our own minds, in our own perception of reality. If we were really to be able to see the truth, we would see that everything is really one. It's like the, the Zen master who goes over to the hot dog stand in New York City and says, make me one with everything. That was a joke. That was a joke. Get it? Make me one with everything. 
All right. And so he hands the guy a 20. And the guy keeps it. He says, where's my change? And he says, ah, Mr. Zen Master, now I have a lesson for you. Change comes from within. (laughs) I'm trying to redeem myself little by little. Little by little, we'll redeem ourselves. No, but really, the Rebbe's view, and again, this is based on Judaism, Torah, uh, Kabbalah, Hasidus, mystical thought. It's that you don't have two different planes of reality, two different realities. It's all one reality that appears to be two. Vis-a-vis health, (laughs) here's what it means. Oh, before we get to health, we've seen this in the previous sessions. Like in, well, first of all, in the Torah that the Rebbe taught, it was always combining all these dis- different disciplines. Like the Rebbe would quote Kabbalah and then quote Halacha, Jewish law, the legal and the mystical, and combine everything, show it's all part of one Torah, it's one Judaism. And likewise, when it comes to uh, the first few lessons that we had, remember lesson one we talked about work and wealth? The Rebbe's perspective is that work is a holy activity. Again, there's no divide between the physical and the spiritual. It's not like, oh, if you want to be holy, that you have to quit your job and go off into a synagogue and study all day. No, you can find God. You can have a holy experience at work. Last week, we spoke about family and how the Rebbe said that, that, that to strengthen the family, the physical family, it's about introducing spiritual activities into the home. Again, no divide between the spiritual and the physical. And the same thing we'll see throughout today's session about health. The Rebbe had a very strong perspective, a very, I would say, it's, it's like, not shocking in, 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 a, in a, like a negative way, but, but it's, 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 it's shocking in how clear it was about health. That physical health is intrinsically tied to psychological health, emotional health, and spiritual health. There is no divide. It's not like you can be in a state of anxiety and anxiousness and, and, and trepidation about a prognosis, and then the body is going to be, no problem, I'll get better. It's all intertwined. So the spiritual health, the mental health, the emotional health, and the physical health, it's all one holistic. I've used that word uh, today a few times, but now hopefully you know what I mean by holistic. The Rebbe was about about treating or about addressing the whole person, not just one area of ailment, but really the whole being. Yeah. That's becoming a whole field in itself now. Correct. It all relates. The Rebbe was talking about this in the 1950s. Now, it's not about who said it first, but we know. No, but it's right. It's not about who said it first. It's, but it's 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 a it's it's it's, a, it's an incredible perspective. And today, I want to walk you through all of the pieces of this from A to Z and see how in real time the Rebbe addressed these types of questions, right? And how the Rebbe championed this approach and advocated for this approach, both to individuals that needed healing as well as to doctors. You can't just treat the symptom. You got to treat the person. Yeah, for sure. There's a new field called metabolic psychiatry. Okay. Which is because they believe that it's not just if you have a psych psychiatric issue, it can be related to your health below the neck. It's right. Connected. It's all connected. It can affect your mind and you're finding so much more connections to mental health and lack of nutrients. I mean, it's so that's called what meta- metabolic psychiatry. So I will say this, and, and I need to clarify this off the bat. Next week, the class is entirely dedicated to mental and emotional health. So mental health is, the focus on that is next week. Today, we're going to speak about more of the physical health 
and, and right, physical health, but, but bring in the other pieces and how it's relevant to health, good health, and healing. All right, so that's by way of, of, of introduction. So now let's talk, now let's focus on health. Number one, health is something that requires proactive effort. The Rebbe was a very strong advocate for what we would call today perhaps preventative medicine or proactive, or as the Rebbe called it, proactive health. Health, the, 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 the focus on health should not begin when, God forbid, one is not well, and then, uh-oh, how do I fix this? But it's about a proactive approach. And the truth is, it's not like it's the Rebbe's innovation. The Torah says, which means, translation is, and you shall guard carefully your life, which means take care of yourself. I was thinking, you know, to do a class on, you know, Jewish law vis-a-vis professional football. Like, is it okay to subject your body, right, to that type of uh, that punishment? You know, we know the studies on CTE, that's the brain injuries that have happened and the concussions, etc. I'm not going to weigh in on that. I'm not going to weigh in on that right now, but the point is the Torah is very clear. There's a biblical commandment to take care of our health. Maimonides, oh, I should also mention today I am a DJ. We're remixing I remixed this class. We're going to be jumping around different texts and for the sake of of uh, of smoothness on this, I'll I'll be reading the text. Take a look um, on page, this is, we're going to start with um, text 12 on page 77. All right, text 12, page 77. Um, copy or book? Copy? Sure. Sorry about that. Shouldn't ask you. Um, okay, I'll read this. Text 12. This is from Maimonides. Now, Maimonides lived what? 800, 900 years ago or so? 800 years ago? Take a look at what Maimonides writes in text 12. Maintaining a healthy and sound body is among the ways of serving God. For one cannot properly understand or have knowledge of the Creator when ill. Therefore, one must avoid that which harms the body and accustom oneself to that which is healthful and helps the body become stronger. Preventative health, proactive health, right here in the 1100s. Literally, in the words of Maimonides. Of course, we know famously Maimonides was not just a Torah scholar. He was also... Physician, not only a physician, he was the royal physician in Egypt. And so here he's writing about Rafua. And he says, health begins before one, God forbid, gets sick. It's not about fixing something that's wrong. It's a proactive approach to, to avoid the things that are unhealthy and to introduce the things that are healthy. And he writes this. And he writes, sorry, that this is a way to serve God. It's not just about keeping the body safe and sound. It's about serving God. One cannot understand or have knowledge of the Creator when ill. If you're not feeling well, how are you going to study Torah? How are you going to do a mitzvah? Which means, again, it's, and I told you that the Rebbe had a holistic approach. It doesn't be, it's not like the Rebbe was the only one who had the holistic approach. We're going to see a lot about the Rebbe's guidance on this. But Maimonides, right here we see this, this combined approach. A healthy body is part and parcel of a healthy soul. If the body is not healthy, then the soul is also not going to be healthy because it won't be able to do its thing. We won't be able to be a soulful, or I like to call it a soul-ish person. 
Anyway, that was too easy. A soulful person, right, if we're not feeling well, we can't pray, we can't study, we can't do a mitzvah, we're too tired, we're not feeling well, we're sick, God forbid. So a healthy body is, is an imperative, is a critical piece to a healthy soul. Yeah. I was just not like a catchy little phrase, I might get it wrong, but it, it was like, make time for wellness or you'll have to make time for illness. There you go. Yeah. Might as well be proactive, then reactive. Yeah, Good. Well, exactly. Get ahead of it. Yeah. Sure. But, I, oh, good, right. So it's not exclusive. But I think what's amazing here is that we see that it's, in Jewish thought, it's interrelated to our spiritual purpose as well. There's no divide between healthy body and healthy soul. You can't have a healthy soul. Oh, I have a healthy soul. I'll tell you a story. It's a Hasidic story. There's a fellow who would sleep on a bench in the synagogue. He was so pious, he didn't go home and sleep on a mattress. He studied all day, he prayed all day, prayed and studied in the synagogue, and at night, he slept on the bench. Yeah, that was it. He was so like, like a different world, different type of guy. Anyway, he got sick eventually later on in his life, and he was, he was dying. And he said... To his, uh, to his friends, or the students, he said, I would give up all those years of sleeping on the bench, which expressed a certain amount of piety and really like divestment of physical pleasure and whatever. I would give up all of that for one more day putting on tefillin. In other words, to have slept in a bed and be healthier and live another day longer and have a chance to do a mitzvah is better than all of the type of, you know, spiritual piety that is accrued through, you know, uh, 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 painting the body, etc. We don't, we, don't, that's, we don't operate like that. That's not our style, especially not nowadays. Not, that's not the, that wasn't the Rebbe's approach. But my point is to say this, a healthy body equals a healthy soul. Let's take a look at text 13. Here's what the Rebbe writes in a letter. This letter dates back to 1950. Okay, page 78, text 13. I am pained to hear that you feel that your health has noticeably declined. I am also pained to hear that you are not careful to follow your doctor's directives. I heard directly from my saintly father-in-law, the Rebbe, that means the previous Rebbe, that his own father, the Rebbe Rashab said, look how precious the Jewish body is to God. He provided us with so much just for its sake. As is known, God specifically chose to give his Torah and the mitzvot to souls that are housed in corporeal bodies and not to the angels. Now, if the Creator considers the body so very precious, we must be exceptionally careful to take good care of this treasure deposit with which God has entrusted us. The idea here is God, has, God took the most precious treasure, the soul, and gave it to us. But where did he put it? In a body. We, and that's the container. That's what holds, the, if the body is too weak, it can't, what is, I mean, let's talk about death for a second. Death is the time when body and soul separate. And, and one, of the, one of the factors for that is when the body is too weak to be able to hold the body, to hold the soul. And so what the Rebbe is writing here in this letter in 1950, he's saying that God gave this most precious of treasures, the soul, a divine soul, a beautiful piece of God, and gave it to us, put it into the body. We have to make sure the body is a healthy vessel for the soul. Again, Breaking down the divide between the spiritual and the physical, taking care of the physical health is a mitzvah, it's a spiritual activity. The soul needs a physical body within which to operate and do good deeds on this earth. It needs it, it requires it, it won't be here without it. So that is point number one of today's class.
Big idea number one is, and it may not sound like a big idea, but I think the big idea is when we frame it from a, uh, uh, from a spiritual perspective as well. Point number one is health begins before we need healing. In other words, health begins in a proactive space. That's point number one. But what happens? Point number two. What happens when, God forbid, a person's health fails? How should we approach the experience of refuah, of healing? So once again, here, the Rebbe took a very holistic approach, a very um, combined approach to the process of healing. So this is not in the sense of preventative health. This is how to, how to get healed from, uh, from illness. Um, and as I, as I mentioned before at the top of the class, a major factor in healing in the Rebbe's uh, my, uh, worldview and really human, human view is a healthy body requires a healthy spirit. And on a very practical level, it means positivity, optimism, optimism, and hopefulness. To be hopeful and optimistic and positive that healing will come. It's, it, it may sound obvious. It may sound simplistic. We know that it's not simple. It's not easy, especially if one is not feeling well and one is having, God forbid, a negative prognosis. But it's so important to remain positive. The Rebbe emphasized again and again and again how important um, it is to be in a state of positivity for our physical health. Um, it's a necessary ingredient for healing. And the Rebbe so encouraged a positive mindset that in a letter from 1958, dated in 1958, he actually wrote to someone that to get, him, to get into the positive mindset, he should throw a party, a celebration of healing even before his recovery. Take a look at this text, text number seven. Okay, we're going back to text seven. Take a look at text seven, page 70. All right, I like to call this text 770. All right, text seven, page 70. The Rebbe writes, I have just received your letter in which you describe your present poor state of health. It might seem logical to delay celebrating your recovery with overt joy until you are actually healed. Nevertheless, it is in fact reasonable to openly rejoice over your healing in advance, despite the reality that your healing has yet to occur, for such joy will actively hasten your recovery. Do you see what's going on here? The Rebbe says, the more positive you are and confident you are and optimistic you are about your recovery, the more it will actually lead to a, an improvement of your physical health. Let's continue. This is in keeping with the oft-repeated Yiddish saying of the Hasidic Rebbe's, Trachtkut vetzaingut. Think positively and, and you will see positive results. Obviously, this approach is far more effective when you translate optimistic thinking into verbalized joy and joyful activity, i.e., throw the party, invite the friends over. Actually, you know, today we might say, visualize your recovery, right? Visualize it. The rebel went way beyond just mere visualization. It's not just visualize yourself getting healthier. It's actually celebrate, right? Get yourself into that state of you're so confident, you're celebrating in advance. Let's bring it back to football. Imagine, imagine your team, your team is, I'm not gonna ask you who you're, who you're going for this Sunday in the big game, but imagine your team is, it's a blowout, it's the fourth quarter. And let's say it's crazy, let's say it's a blowout, it's like 28-3. Let's, <laughs> too soon, right? I think it was third quarter, right? Whatever, that was a joke because the Atlanta Falcons had it, whatever, all right. Let's say it's 45 nothing with 10 minutes to go. It ain't ha there's, no, there's no comeback there. It ain't happening, right? 
You're celebrating. You're already, you know, pouring the Gatorade over the coach's head. It's already happening. You're putting on the caps. Why? Because you know it's happening. The Rebbe says, be as confident in your recovery like that. You know it's going to happen. You're already celebrating. You're already actively in that space of healing is happening. And that itself will stir the healing. How does it work? Is it magic? Right? Right. Maybe it's magic. Maybe it's Maybelline. How does that work? How does it work? (laughs) Sorry. It works (laughs) because it's all connected. Mind, body, spirit. It's not different spaces. Like, how would positive attitude and positive mindset help the body? Uh, The body needs to heal, not the mind. It's all connected. Spirit, mind, body, it's all one unit. Therefore, positive spirit helps the body heal. Listen, we got to give ourselves the best shot. Right? We got to give ourselves the best shot. Is that giving it an No. If the Rebbe said to do it, it's not giving it an Einhar. Good question, though. Now, I, how does that work? I can't know an Einhar, like the evil eye. Like, is that jinxing it? It's like, oh, you're like, you're jinxing it before. I, listen, if the Rebbe gave this advice, I'm going to say. I know, I know, but here, here, there, at least to this one person, the Rebbe said, go all in. But the Rebbe cons- I'm with you, but the Rebbe consented to, for this to be published, which means that we can also expand it, yeah. It relates also to, there's been a lot of research lately done on being grateful, and how many people who were feeling very down and depressed, once they started just a simple act of being grateful for the simplest thing every day, found their whole demeanor start to change. It's very similar. Yep. The positive, optimistic gratitude helps, the, helps us physically, physiologically. Now, take a look at this. It was, the Rebbe was so obsessed with needing to cultivate that healing requires a, 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 an attitude and an atmosphere of positivity that in 1977, the Rebbe wrote a letter to Dr. Mordechai Shani. He was then the director of the Sheba Medical Center in Tel Aviv. And by the way, for, for, just for reference, this Dr. Shani won the prestigious Israel Prize in 2009 and today is a professor of healthcare systems in Tel Aviv University. So the Rebbe writes to him the following. This is text three. We're now going back to text three on page 63. Okay, take a look at this. I certainly recall that when you paid a visit here together with your colleagues, we had an in-person meeting. I hope that you similarly recall my suggestion at that meeting. Instead of referring to a hospital in Hebrew as Beit Cholim, an institution for the sick, it should be called Beit Rufuah, an institution for healing. Let me pause for a moment. The Rebbe is telling the head of the hospital, one of the hospitals in Tel Aviv, change the name of the institution. From Beit, from Beit Cholim, which literally means a house of the sick, to Beit Rufuah, a house of healing. One might consider, back inside, one might consider this semantics, a meaningless exchange of terms. But in fact, this change alone is sufficient to offer encouragement to those in need of healing. More importantly, this upgrade, entitled Better Highlights the Institution's True Goal. Its purpose is to bring healing, and wherever possible, complete healing. So why persist in referring to the institution with a title that does not fit its purpose? In other words, why would you write as a house of the sick? What, you want sick people? What do you want? What's the agenda? The agenda is healing. So call it Beit Rufuah. 
the Rebbe was basically saying, and he repeated this on other occasions as well, that when a person goes to the hospital, right, it's very easy to fall into a state of depression, right? It's very easy to be like, oh, like, like this is terrible, like, this is bad, foreboding, negativity, right? very heavy and negative. And the Rebbe was saying, let's do everything we can to create an atmosphere of positivity. That the name of the institution, when somebody walks through the doors and they look at the sign, they should know that here, people get healed. Not here, you have a bunch of sick people. Why would you say that? I don't know. (laughs) We have to Google. I don't know that that the suggestion was taken. But that's how fierce and how, the Rebbe wasn't kidding. He wasn't being cute. He's being literal, like literally change the name. Why call it House of the Sick? Um, <coughs> taking this one step further, and I think it's important to emphasize this piece of it. It's not just that a positive attitude, you know, it, um, uh, helps cre- you know helps uh, foster a healthy body, which we said everything's connected. But there's also another spiritual angle to this as well. It says in Kabbalah, it says in Jewish mystical thought that when we um, when we evoke positive energy, positive and really joyous and joyful energy uh, below, then that triggers above blessings of positivity. And so let's, let's read this um, text too, going back to page 62. Let's read this letter from 1955, where the Rebbe references this idea that comes from the Zohar, the primary work of Kabbalah, Jewish mystical thought. I believe I've told you in the past that the Holy Zohar states that when a person is in, sorry, when a person in this physical world has a radiant countenance, they are joyful, they thereby draw down upon themselves responses of the same positive kind from heaven. You want to call, I'm just taking a break here for a second. You want to call this karma, you want to call this good, I don't know, whatever you call it. I don't think it's karma, but you know, the, what you, the energy that you exude is the energy that comes back to you from above. This provides us with an even better understanding of the aphorism of our holy rabbis, which we cited before, track good, design good, think good, sorry, think positively, and you will see positive results. May God grant you success in this so you'll be able to share positive news. This was to somebody who was dealing with a medical challenge. And the rabbi said, basically, uh, be positive. And positivity, again, is not just because a healthy mind is a healthy body, a healthy spirit is a healthy body, but it's also because uh, uh, on, a, on, a, on a larger level, positive, uh, exuding positive energy elicits positive uh, blessings from above. Make sense? Okay. All right. Let's keep on going. We have a, we have a lot to get to. Some, I know I'm moving a little bit, maybe a little bit quickly, but let's, let's keep on going. So now all of this sounds fine and dandy. It sounds, it sounds you know, very simple, very straightforward. Um, the Reb is advising, so far we've said two things. Number one, focus on preventive. Why wait until you're not feeling well? Focus on preventative medicine, uh, preventative health, uh, taking care, proactively taking care of our bodies and our health, our physical health, because that is good for the soul. It's good for our mission in life. It's that we need a healthy body to do that. Great. That was point one. Point number two that we just said is that if once a person got, if God forbid, a person is not feeling well, a key, a major key to recovery, in addition to obviously, you know, whatever treatment, a major, a major key to internal recovery is this idea of healthy spirit, right? Healthy positive, optimistic, hopeful spirit. The question, though, is how do we actually pull that off? How do we do that? What are some key ingredients to remaining positive even when in a negative health situation with maybe a negative health prognosis? I want to share with you three 
specific key keys to positivity that the Rebbe shared. And these are going to be augmented with some videos. We have some lesson videos that are coming up. But I want to share these, these three ideas. Number one, the first point is the Rebbe advocated very often that people, especially if somebody's in the hospital or even not in the hospital, but someone's not feeling well, do everything possible to stay productive. That's point number one. How can you maintain a positive disposition? Well, just lying around. And again, I'm not trying to, to be... Uh, um, to be flippant about this, but, 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 but being inactive is actually detrimental to our positive spirit. Um, there's a time and again, the Rebbe encouraged people going through uh, needing healing and recovery to stay very active um, or to stay active and, and productive as a means to remain positive. So let's take a look now at this video. Yaakov, thank you very much. This first video is from... Uh, Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, he wrote a book, actually a biography of the Rebbe, and here he tells a story about his own father, Shlomo Telushkin, who was the Rebbe's accountant, the accountant for Chabad HQ. Take a look at this story. Rabbi Joseph Telushkin is a rabbi, lecturer, and best-selling author. His father, Shlomo Telushkin, served as the accountant for Merkus Lignone Chinuch, the educational arm of Chabad Lubavitch. My father had a lot of uh, nachos, a lot of pleasure from his career as an accountant. He never made a tremendous amount of money. He always made enough, we always lived well, but, it, but his pleasure derived from the fact that he worked for organizations that he felt passionately attached to Chabad. He had a very strong feeling for, but he was also a Mizrahi, because my father was a Zionist. He also was the accountant for the revisionists and for an organization called Ezra Torah, Ezra Torah headed by Rav Henkin, which helped uh, Talmidei Chachamim who were in need. So he had a lot of uh, pleasure from the work he was doing. But as he got older, he started gradually to semi-retire and gave up his other accounts. The only account he always kept was the account for Chabad and Merkaz. And in 1986, I at the time was living in Israel and I got a phone call from my mother that my father had had a stroke. And uh, I immediately flew back. And uh, my mother had somewhat underplayed how serious it was. She just said to me I should come home immediately, but not wanting to make me even more nervous. She, uh, my father really at first was hovering between life and death, and he was not conscious for several days. And I came back and Every day we would get uh, two phone calls, uh, usually from Rabbi Krinsky from the office. The Rebbe wants to know how your father is, and, uh, and I would report it. And then on a second, maybe the second day or so that I was back, my father came out of his unconsciousness. Uh, he was still in ICU in the intensive care unit, and uh, he was a little befuddled. It was. In a sense, my father at the time was 80, and it was very sad. He had been always been in very good health, and as I said, he would continue. He was continuing his work as an accountant, and he always had great pleasure on Shabbos. He used to give a weekly shear and Talmud, and my father's life to some extent was like a person running full speed ahead who runs into a brick wall. Because all of a sudden, in in one day, he could no longer do his work, and he really couldn't learn in any systematic way. His mind would go in and out of being confused, but we would continue to get these calls twice daily. And then one day, about five days after my father had come out of his unconsciousness, 
uh, I pick up the phone and it was Rabbi Krinsky. And this time though, he has a question. Uh, the, we have, uh, the Rebbe has an accounting question for your father. So I, I said to him, but Rabbi Krinsky, you know how sick my father is? And he said, yes, we had a meeting of, uh, of, the, of the leadership today and an accounting issue came up and the Rebbe said, ask Shlomo. And, uh, you know, we said, you know, we mentioned your father's illness and the Rebbe said, I know, ask Shlomo. And so at that point, of course, I took down the question exactly as it was posed. I brought it in to my father and he was able to answer it. And this was an extremely moving event for me because I realized there was the Rebbe in his office in Brooklyn with tremendous responsibilities on, for, many, for many things all over the world. And he was thinking about my father's situation, lying there in a hospital bed, probably feeling fairly useless. And he came up with a question that my father was able to answer. And it, I know it immediately made my father feel much better. I mean, my father looked at me and he said, yeah, do this, this, this. And uh, this was... This had a, an enormous impact on me, this incident, because it's what really made me aware to a remarkable extent of the Rebbe who had assumed these international leadership roles and yet remained focused on the individual. Powerful story. Powerful story. And I think, again, the message is the key. I mean, he had his own takeaway. You know, the Rebbe is focused on the individual, but vis-a-vis -vis our conversation, it's the importance the importance of feeling useful, feeling productive, and how the Rebbe knew that, that this man lying on a hospital bed, getting a question that he could answer would, would give him a boost of confidence, a boost of positivity, to feel useful, and that, that would stir um, you know, an improvement in health. Okay, so that's one point. Second point that the Rebbe would often uh, tell people who were not, not, not well, not feeling well, is to, and in the context of, again, th these are three keys to remaining positive even when things are a little down and, and, and a little, uh, you know, not so well physically. The second point that the Rebbe said is find purpose in where you are. So again, point number one was stay productive. The second one is a little bit different. It's find a spiritual purpose. Again, the way the Rebbe looked at the world, everything was holistic, it was all connected, spirituality, physicality, and everything happens for a reason, which means if a person finds themselves in let's, even, let's say, a hospital, there's a reason why the person's there. And it's not just to get better, it's to help someone else. It's to, it's to, it's to be there for someone else. Take a look at text number four on page 65. Very powerful text. Here's a letter uh, from 1959. Um, you wrote to request a blessing for your health. At an auspicious occasion, I will mention you for a blessing in this regard at the gravesite of my esteemed father-in-law, the saintly Rebbe. Just parenthetically, the Rebbe used to, our Rebbe used to pray often at the gravesite of his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, to ask you know, the Rebbe to intercede on high for blessings, etc. Okay, back inside. It is the nature and hereditary reality of all Jews to believe in God. What is necessary, however, is for each Jewish individual to allow their inherent faith to actually influence their thoughts their thought processes throughout the day. In other words, we need to actively seek to identify the divine providence in each occurrence and in each feature of our daily experiences. Although God's providence hides behind a screen that we refer to as nature, we must recognize the truth. As long as we have not yet identified the point of divine providence in any particular event or reality, we have not yet truly understood that event or reality. What the, what the Rebbe is writing is basically 
Everything happens for a reason and for a purpose. Even a health challenge, not that that justifies it or makes it better, but that's a way of reframing it and also to give purpose. So someone who is, and again, you'll see a video in a second, specifically vis-a-vis people in the hospital, the Rebbe would empower people and say, okay, you're in the hospital and you're there ostensibly to get better, but you know how many people are around you that you can have a positive influence on? Have a positive influence. Have a tzedakah box a tzedakah, in, in your hospital room and encourage the doctors and the medical staff to give a coin to charity. And by that, and that way, you're encouraging the hospital and the people there to do a mitzvah. You're now an ambassador in the hospital. And that changes everything. Again, what I'm sharing with you now is the Rebbe didn't just say, you know, don't worry, be happy, think positive, think good, it'll be good. The Rebbe was giving practical advice of how to do this. Number one, stay productive. Number two, look for the opportunities. Look for the opportunities around, right? It's like um, Mr. Rogers, right? Look for the helpers, I think that's what he said, right? Look at the opportunities. Yaakov. And it was called uh, to find the reason and, and to remind ourselves of the reason every moment and to be able to get to it. It was called the sacred question. That's how important it was because they were in that loudest by it. It is two parts. Number one, what just happened. Number two, what lesson does it have for me? Personal, nice. personal lesson, not just right. what happened happened. So a lesson That's very much right. Individual. That's very much aligned with, as you said, the Baal Shem was teaching, that everything that happens is a specific point, is by divine providence. But moreover, if I witnessed it happening, right, then it means something that I needed to see it. But in this case, I think it's even a step further. It's not just a lesson for me, it's a calling. I look at my experience, even in a negative state, as a calling. It's kind of like Joseph, biblical Joseph. He reframes his kidnapping, abduction, right, and human trafficking, he, he sold as a slave to Egypt. He reframes it as an opportunity. When his brothers apologize for selling him as a slave, you know what he says? Oh, you didn't sell me. God sent me here. Let's, let's watch this video. You'll see, you'll see what I mean. These are stories, firsthand stories, of people who the Rebbe encouraged to have this attitude when they were in the hospital. The right before Rosh Hashanah. My father suffered a stroke. He ended up in the hospital. At Rosh Hashanah, I get a call from Rabbi Leibovitz, the Rebbe secretary. The Rebbe wants to see me immediately. The Rebbe came out with a uh, quintus, with one of the booklets that he had given out the night before. And he said to me, this is final time. And then the Rebbe smiled, and he said to me, Zondam Tatna, in Yiddish, tell your father that when he'll finish the mission for which he was sent there, he will be released. Went straight to NYU, I brought the Kuntus, and I told my father exactly what the Rebbe had said. I remember my mother started running around. <laughs> if you. He was pretty helpless in bed, so I took a pushka and I ran around the whole hospital and I took money, you know, and I gave the patients money to put into the pushka. But I sent the message to Label that please uh, 
find out it's mostly Goyim there. What do I do? So a message got like two minutes later. <laughs> he called me back. He said, Goyim have to give tzedakah. So I just went all over the place and then gave tzedakah. The child mentally is not well, he was in the hospital. So I called up Reza Haribichadikov just to tell him that, you know, that I'm good. My little boy's in the hospital and I'm here in the hospital with him. It goes quiet on the line for a little bit. And then Haribichadikov comes back on the line and he says like this, Sicher hat der Eberster nicht gemacht, dass der Kind soll sein in Hospital, und du sollst auch Markus Nefesh. Certainly, the Eberster didn't make such a thing happen so that you should be anguished because of it. Sicher hat dort auf Rana Schlichtes dir zu tun. Certainly, have a Schlichtes that you have to do there. Gehen wir finden und tun es. Go find it and do it. Right before you Kipper. My father did come out from the hospital and he went by the river for Lekach. So wherever you find yourself, whether it's, they said, a beautiful place or a hospital, God leads the footsteps of a person, and you're going to figure out, understand what is the mission of why God put me in this place. There's a reason I'm here, and I have to redeem it and find the reason and the purpose, the mission of my being there. Powerful. That was the Rebbe's perspective, right? And that reframes, I think, powerfully. That reframes the experience from being one of, you know, um, uh, just focus on 
the negative and the illness and the sadness, etc., and, and despair, to one of mission, purpose, usefulness, helpfulness, etc. The, the last key that the Rebbe shared vis-a-vis staying positive is probably you know, the most obvious and most intuitive one, which is that the Rebbe would advise people to, to do everything in their ability. Is that a happy sound? We're going to assume. We're going to assume it's a happy sound. To do everything in their power to emphasize and um, increase a person's trust in Hashem. Now, there's a Hebrew word for trust in God. And that Hebrew word is, who knows what the Hebrew word is? Trust in God. Not faith, but trust. Bitachon. Bitachon. There's a different, there, there's a word in Hebrew, emunah, which means faith. And then there's bitachon, which means trust. And there's a difference between faith and trust. What's the difference? I'll tell you a story. And I've shared this before, so you may have heard this, but here's, here's a great story that I think captures the distinction. So um, there was once a high wire artist. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Tightrope walker. There you go. Who puts out a tightrope like over, the Ni- over Niagara Falls. And he's up there, and a crowd gathers, and it's incredible, and it's illegal, I'm sure. But anyway, he's walking across, and everyone's cheering. He does it a few times, and then he says to the crowd, he has a megaphone or whatever, cups his hands by his mouth. He says, do you think that I can go across while juggling? Right? Do you believe? They all said, we believe, we believe. And he goes across, and he's juggling. And then he says, do you believe that I can go across on a unicycle while juggling? We believe, we believe. And he does it. He goes in the unicycle and juggling. Do you believe I can go over, you know, walk across the line, pushing a wheelbarrow with a person inside? We believe, we believe. He says, okay, any volunteers? (laughs) And it goes silent. Because that's what belief is. Belief is I believe. It doesn't really cost anything to believe. Belief is like, I believe. He could do it. I believe he could. Trust is, I know it will happen. Trust is different than, than belief. Belief is, belief in God means God could do anything. He can also make this happen. Trust is, I trust that God is going to deliver this blessing of health and healing. To have trust in God means to absolutely trust with every fiber of our being that God is going to bring healing and that creates and that emphasize and that supports the positive attitude and the positivity. Take a look at text number five on page 67. Okay, take a look again, page 67, text number five. This is a letter from 1972. The Rebbe writes, I duly received the telephone message as well as the letter regarding your state of health. From what I have been informed about your progress in matters of Jewish observance, it is surely unnecessary to emphasize to you the importance of bitachon, complete faith and trust in God, not just as an abstraction, but in a way that truly permeates one's entire being. In addition to bitachon being one of the foundations of our faith and way of life, it is also a channel to receive God's blessings, especially for the, for the success of the medical treatment. Basically, once again, the Rebbe is saying that a key to health, a key to healing, a key to success, the, the, the spiritual blessing for the physical success is a positive attitude. And in this context, a positive attitude born of complete trust in God. 
I trust that God is good, that God has my, my, my best interest in mind. Therefore, I'm not going to just believe in God, that God could bring healing to me, but I, believe, I trust that God will make that happen. Um, and here's a video, we're going to show the next video, where people tell their stories of how the Rebbe encouraged them to trust in God in the face of medical challenges. Okay, take a look at this next video. ביום אחד אני מקבל מכתב מהבית, השעבה קיבל התקפת לב, הוא במצב אנוש. אני מקבל מכתב כזה, מה אני צריך לחשוב? כן, אז אני הכנסתי מכתב לרבי, כבר אינני יודע מה לחשוב. אז הוא אומר לקחת המכתב הזה, עשה קו מתחת למילים האלה, הוא כותב, הוא נפלא. הוא נפל לשלושה סימני קריאה ככה, אתה רואה את העוצמה שבזה ככה, הוא נפל שהרי ידוע בחיגום דע ציווי נישאינו רבותינו תרחדות וזנות ואחכה לבשורות טובות. קיבלתי את המכתב הזה, ידעתי שם שליחה, התקרב, המשכתי לגיטילים וכן הלאה, אז יום חמישי בלילה. עוברת השבת, ביום ראשון עזרתי אומץ וטלפנתי הביתה. אמא שלי מרימה את הטלפון, שאלתי את אמא שלו, אבא, יצא מכלל סכנה. עברתי את הכביש, והלכתי במינקה שם, ואמרתי לו שהרבי יוצא ממינקה, נו, יורדת שתי ושומיר? אמרתי לו, כן, יצא מכלל סכנה. מתי? אמרתי לו, ביום חמישי בערב. אז הוא שואל אותי, מתי אתה התחלת לחשוב טוב? לא היו לנו ילדים כמה שנים, דבר שמאוד מאוד כאב לי. וזה היה עם דיאגנוזה של רופא שטען שאני לעולם לא אוכל, מבחינה ביולוגית, אני לא אוכל ללדת ילדים. אמרתי לבעלי שאני רוצה לנסוע לרגל. ‫שאני שישבו וילמדו את ספר חובת הלבבות, שער הביטחון, ולא יצטרכו יותר לבכות. והקדוש ברוך הוא יברך אותה בבנים ובנות חסידיים, יראי שמיים, ויזכו לגדלם לתורה לתקופה ולנסיתו. עכשיו אנחנו ישבנו ולמדנו והייתה תקופה שגם נתתי הרצאות לקבוצות על ביטחון בהשם וכמובן שזה חיזק אותי מאוד והבכי כבר נגמר, לא הייתי צריכה לבכות וגם הקדוש ברוך הוא עזר לי. Thank you.
Okay, so that's a video about the, about the last piece that we just spoke about, the idea of trust. So to recap, I know that this class is punctuated by these videos, and so maybe it's, it might be hard to help cop and to, you know, so I just want to recap quickly what we've done. So today we spoke about the idea of health and healing from the Rebbe's perspective. By the way, I'm not recapping because we're done. I'm just recapping before we move on to the next section. So don't worry, we still got more. So just to recap quickly, so the Rebbe's approach was always holistic. It's not just about healing the body, it's about the mind being in a healthy place, positive place. It's about our soul being in a healthy place and positive place. It's about the whole person. So on a physical level, it means before illness, God forbid, it means being proactive about our health, making sure that we're doing all the things to support our neshama, to support our mission in life. We have good things to do. We have to have a healthy body to get it done. It's like a car, right? You got to go from point A to point B. The car's got to work, right? The car meaning us in this context, and the, the analog. So that's point number one. Point number two is, well, God forbid if somebody needs healing, needs a refuah shlem, needs, needs, needs um, you know, a, a, an improvement of health. So how do we, what's, what's the key? Obviously, and we'll speak soon about doctors and medicine and procedures and surgeries. We'll speak about that in a moment, the Rebbe's perspective on all that. But first and foremost, it's about remaining positive. Remaining positive, having a positive state of mind is key to the body healing, healing itself. So that's the, the overarching point, and we set three key pieces to this. Number one, remaining productive and not kind of like just, you know, uh, tapping out as it were, staying productive. Number two is finding purpose, looking at this experience as it's a mission, and that will itself generate um, a, a, an energy. And number three is maintaining not just faith and belief in God, but trust in God that God will bring the Rufu'ah. And like that story, there were a bunch of stories in that video, but the one where the Rebbe said, and so when did your father's health begin to improve? Thursday night? Right when you started to think a little more positive. So again, the correlation between that, uh, between the trust and, uh, and the improvement of health. What we're going to do now is talk about how do we balance this trust in God, as, as God is the healer and positive, etc., with practical medical advice, right? Going to a doctor, following medical advice, taking treatments, undergoing surgeries or whatever it is. How, is there, how do we reconcile on a very real level our trust in God with the need for doctors, medicine, procedures, etc.? And maybe state in a different way, you know, maybe as a question, if we really trust in God, then, you know, should we even be putting our faith in doctors and medicine? And how does that, how does that work? So I want to share with you a very Jewish approach and how the Rebbe framed it as well. And it's, it's very important to know in general and also uh, can be very applicable. So take a look at text number eight. Again, we're moving around here. But I told you already before that we're remixing the class. So text number eight on page 71. This is from the Talmud. Okay, and this is very important. It's actually... By, listen, everything is by divine providence. I'm sure as you've studied Torah, you know, over the years, you've encountered this where you study something and it's like, oh my gosh, it's exactly the thing I needed to hear at the exact time or it aligns perfectly. Well, this text eight 
is taking a verse, is based on a verse from this week's Torah portion. Now, how did JLI know when they, whoever wrote, you know, prepared these texts, how did they know a year or two ago that we would be, and we're teaching this a week early, how would they know, <laughs> when I say a week early, the rest of the world is teaching it, you know, we're, we're ahead a little bit. So I, everything's by divine providence. Here we go, text eight. The Torah states in this week's Torah portion, he shall provide for his cure. In other words, the doctor should provide for the patient's cure. This informs us, says the Talmud, that God has granted physicians permission to provide healing. The Talmud says this is a biblical source that doctors are permitted to heal. In other words, one could have conceptually argued, and I think there's some religious beliefs that say this, that, oh, if there's an illness, you don't do anything. Like, you don't, uh, right? Is there anyone that says that? Anyone? No, not Jewish. No. Yeah. Right, because if God, if God brings the illness, God should bring the cure. Judaism fundamentally rejects that. And the Talmud says, the Torah says, right, the Talmud quotes the Torah, the Bible. It says, in this Torah portion, that he shall provide for the healing, provide for his cure. And that means that a doctor is permitted to heal. Then the Talmud continues. Once we have this biblical allowance for medicine, then it becomes not just an allowance to heal, but a doctor is obligated to heal. If you have the power to heal, you have to heal. Okay, so that's from a Jewish perspective. Medicine is a thing. It's not like, oh, we just said trust in God. Trust in God, think good, think positive, and the body will heal. Along with doctors and medicine. This is the general Jewish approach. Um, the Rebbe emphasized this again and again in his letters and his correspondences, in his conversations with people, about the need to follow sound medical advice. In other words, even as we believe in God and trust in God and, 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 and have positive thoughts, etc., on the ground, we still need to do our whatever we, you know, whatever we need to do to follow sound and accepted medical advice. This is what we do. Not because we don't trust in God and we're looking for backup, but because we trust in God, and God himself says in the Torah, doctors, take a look at text number nine. The Rebbe writes this in a letter to someone. You should observe our sage's directive to follow your doctor's orders and do it happily. What difference does it make to you if you will fulfill God's will in a particular way or through a particular means? The main thing is to avoid overthinking the matter and instead focus on doing God's will. And again, just to interject here for a second, what the Rebbe meant by following God's objectives and following God's will is, God says clearly, you got to go to a doctor. You gotta, if you need, you need. Let's continue. In this case, God has directed you to obey your doctor. So you should, wear in the Torah. So you should do so and be gratified that you have the opportunity to fulfill God's will and you should therefore do it with joy. The Rebbe is reframing a medical visit, Right? To, as being a mitzvah. This is not just, oh, I have to go to the, this is what God wants you to do. The Torah says that part of health is that doctors have the, have the, have the mission to heal. Let's continue. In fact, when you will act in this manner, God will help you so that you will clearly see gratifying results. I hope that you will write back to inform me that you have adopted this approach and may God add in his blessings to you and your family um, for good health and ample livelihood. Okay, so that's that letter. Um, the Rebbe addressed this similar, similarly in another letter that he wrote in 1952 to someone who was second-guessing medical advice. Take a look at this letter. This is a very, uh, very strong letter. Uh, page 74. 
Text 10, the next one. I am pained to hear that you are spending all your time running frantically to doctors. I'm astonished at your husband as well. What is the justification for this misuse of your trait of alacrity? Alacrity is generally a beneficial quality, but panic is always a fault. Anyway, alacrity is not always appropriate. By the way, let me just uh, step in for a second. This was somebody who wasn't just going to doctors, but someone who kept on going to more and more doctors and was second-guessing doctors and trying to get you know, an unlimited number of opinions on about and obsessing over as opposed to just, you know, going, going with it. You should be filled, back inside, you should be filled with faith and trust in God who creates, sustains, and animates the entire universe and all its con contents e with even more particular attention to each Jew, being that they are members of the nation that is close to him. Trust that he will provide you with good health so that together with your husband, you will raise your son to Torah, to marriage, and to good deeds. True, it is always necessary to follow natural channels. You must consult a doctor and follow their instructions. However, totally engrossing yourself in this matter, immersing yourself in medicine and medical matters, and intensely deliberating and debating the exact reasons for the doctor's opinions, that is not your role. That is exclusively the role of medical professionals performing their duties as the Torah directs. Again, in this week's Torah portion, he, the doctor, should administer healing. Everyone else needs to use the intelligence and mental skills with which God has blessed them for alternative concerns, some for Torah study and mitzvah observance, others for conducting material affairs that are able to be transformed into mitzvah-based undertakings. But anxiety, worry, and dejection serve only to weaken your physical and spiritual health. The panic over the medical, you know, what, what the doctors are saying is not beneficial. Go with the doctor, follow the doctor's orders, get it done. It's not just listening to the doctor, it's really following God's directive for the doctor. Maybe say this in slightly different language. And it's not a contradiction. I hope it's, it's coming out as, as very clear that the trust in God and following medical advice is not a contradiction at all. It's actually one and the same. God is very, stated very clearly. God, this healing comes from God. But God has enlisted doctors on the ground to be the ones to facilitate that. In other words, they are part of what I like to call the God Squad. So, right, so you have God as the source of healing, but the natural channel, because God was for miracles all day, the natural channel is through medicine, through doctors, right? So going to the doctor, following medical advice, and make sure it's a good doctor, following medical advice is basically saying, I trust in God, that God will deliver it through the doctor. It's not trusting the doctor, it's trusting God who said go to the doctor. It's a bit of a different, a bit of a different take. Um, now, does that mean that we should never get a second opinion? That we should go to one doctor and that's it? No, first of all, I, I need to clarify a few things. I want to make sure I get all the details here that I wrote in my notes. Number one, number one, uh, important to note. Um, the Rebbe advocated for second opinions when it came to ma major medical decisions, and even a third. Take a look at text 11. The Rebbe said this in a talk, a public address in 1988. He said, my general, page 75, my general response to questions regarding medical matters is that one should follow the advice of an expert doctor. It is best to consult with two experts. And when there is a difference of opinion, one should ask a third and follow the majority position. If it's a major medical decision, something important, make sure, number one, it's an expert. Number two, two experts. Why not? And number three, three experts, if there's a difference of opinion. Let me, again, I'm just trying, I, I don't want to speak in theory. Practically speaking, the Rebbe got countless letters and phone calls and, and conversations about surgery. The doctor says I should do a surgery, the back surgery, a hips, whatever it is. Should I do the surgery or should I pursue alternative means? It's a very practical question. The doctor says you could do the surgery or we can try something else. What do I do? People would ask the Rebbe for advice, counsel, and blessings. 
the Rebbe would always give the same answer. Well, I can't say always the same answer. Oftentimes he would say this. He would say, consult an expert and get a second opinion. And if they agree, follow it. If they disagree, get a third expert and the majority rules. That's the way Torah guides us. And doing so follows God's will. Again, it's not through the dog. It's not healing doesn't come from human beings. It comes from God through human beings. That's the perspective. That's the amazing perspective that the Rebbe shared again and again. Now, one important, one, another important detail. The Rebbe would very often advocate that people should go to not just an expert doctor, but a doctor that you know and a doctor that knows you. He called it a rofe yedid which in Hebrew means a doctor who's also a friend. Why? Very simple. If, so, if the doctor is your friend, then they're invested in your care and your, in your healing. We all know, I, I mean, I think we all know, or maybe we, you know, what it's like to be you know, in a hospital, whatever it is, and somebody walks in, they don't know you, you're just a chart, right? And they walk in and they're, oh, okay, whatever. They're not that invested. And maybe they won't come around for a while because they got busy. And you're sitting there with a loved one, or maybe you're sitting there yourself, and you're waiting for hours, and you call. When's the doctor coming in, right? You ever have this experience? Like, where's the doctor? Oh, the doctor's doing rounds. What are we doing here? Like, what's going on? You have a rofi, you did a friend who's a doctor, a good doctor who's a friend. They're going to get it done. They're going to, they care about you. They're invested in your care. It's a completely different experience. You're, they're going to find more things. They're going to figure out more things. They're going to come up with a more compassionate way of care because they're invested. So the Rebbe, again, would, would very often advocate or advise to find a friend or a friend of a friend who is a doctor in the field who could also advise and be involved in the care. That is a game changer in a positive way. Next, one more caveat. One more caveat to add. All of this is the general approach that the, Rebbe, uh, that the Rebbe shared and advised with regards to trust in God and doctors and medical procedures, etc. But one thing where the Rebbe kind of said not to listen to doctors is when, doctors, when a doctor is giving a very negative or doom and gloom prognosis. The Rebbe would often say, it's not a doctor. A doctor was given permission in the Torah to heal, but not to decide life and death. That is not a doctor's role. A doctor is not God. A doctor does not, really does not, really does not have the authority or even the right, maybe that's the same thing, doesn't, shouldn't have the right to, uh, to, to frighten a person, to make a person scared. Now, it doesn't mean to give false hope either, but it means to do so in a compassionate way, etc. And in a case where a, per, where a person receives received a negative prognosis, the Rebbe would often talk about how the doctor may not be right, miracles can happen, and therefore not to be despondent. It's not inconsistent with the Rebbe saying, follow doctors, follow doctors vis-a-vis healing, but if there's a negative, a doom and gloom prognosis, remain trusting in Hashem. Take a look at text 6, turning back to page 68, text number 6, take a look at this text. The Rebbe writes this in a letter, 1953, there's no basis for despondency or despair, for we have clearly seen God perform 
nature transcending miracles, even for individuals and especially in recent years. Moreover, in many instances, doctors err in their diagnosis despite conducting a plethora of tests. This is especially true of, diagnos- of diagnostics related to internal organs. In addition to all the above, you should be aware that new medical remedies are constantly appearing. However, it is of utmost necessity, and it is impossible for it to be otherwise that you strengthen your connection with God, the healer of all flesh, and performer of wonders. This description is to be taken literally. God performs actual miracles and wonders for individuals, the proof being that each and every one of us recites this blessing, and word untrue would be erring by reciting a formal blessing in vain. We talk about God being a miracle worker, one who heals all flesh, etc., and that is to be taken literally is what the Rebbe is writing in this letter. So, again... God is the source of healing. God is the healer, works through doctors, follow the doctor's advice. If a doctor's prognosis is getting you anxious, that should not happen. In other words, remain hopeful and trusting in God. Maybe the doctor got it wrong. Maybe there's an emerging technologies or emerging treatments and remain positive. Maybe a miracle can happen. Uh, uh, remain positive and, uh, and, and hopeful. I want to share with you the next video. Um, this video is, one second, this camera's following me now, which would be um, always nice, but we got to have that stop for the video. Okay, there we go. All right, next video is from, video from uh, a family in Johannesburg, actually a family that my wife growing up was very close with. This is a story about their son. <laughs> Esty Ash lives in Johannesburg, South Africa, with her family. Kids were older. They were all avid bike riders. Uriel went outside. He was going up the road. He didn't take his helmet. And he was riding in the street. And a car, it was a very narrow street with cars parked on both sides. And a car was obviously trying to get through with Uriel in the street. He couldn't, so he hooted at Uriel. Oriel turned around to look at the car, and as he turned, he turned his bike in front of the car as well, and the car hit him. And he flew off his bike um, over the hood of the car and smashed the windscreen with his head. The ambulance came to take us, and you know, I was asking questions, and uh, they didn't answer me, and he was unconscious. There was no response. When we got to the hospital, um, they took Uriel away to try to resuscitate him, and they sent me to fill in the form. And one of the questions on the form is age. Now, this was a week before Uriel's 14th birthday, but I desperately needed 14, so I didn't write 13. I wrote 14, even though he was technically still 13. I needed that 14, so I wrote 14, and that became relevant later, too. Um, they called me in to like talk to him and hold his hand and see if it would elicit a reaction, and it didn't. Uh, a lady came, she gave me some money to make a phone call, and I phoned Michael, and um, Michael's my husband, and he, I made it sound like it wasn't serious, and um, he came to the hospital, and then they called us both in to see if we could get a reaction out of Uriel, hold his hand, stroke his head, talk to him. There was nothing. And I think when Michael realized the gravity of the situation, he phoned Rabbi Lipsker, who was a close friend of ours. He phoned the Rebbe's office for a bracha. And also, because um, there was no reaction from Uriel, the doctor in charge, the registrar in charge of, of trauma, um, casualty 
had decided that they weren't going to take any active medical care as far as he was concerned. They were just going to leave him. Um, and then came the Rebbe's bracha. Um, the Rebbe basically said, ask Sion, we should hear Basura's Tovos. And there was a specific message to the doctor saying that he is a rofe, and as a rofe, a doctor, he is a shaliach of Hashem. And his job is to administer treatment and do whatever he can, and Hashem will decide the outcome. And as a result of that, he decided to go against the instructions of his superior doctor and administer treatment. So they took Uriel and even put him in ICU because they weren't going to bother doing anything with him. But um, they put him in a normal ward. Now, the best ward in the hospital was the pediatric ward. And the maximum age for the pediatric ward is 13. But I've written 14 on the form. But Gary Schwartz, the doctor, knowing that this was the best ward in the hospital, put him into the children's, into the pediatric ward. And against the instructions of his superior doctor, he put him on a respirator um, and administered whatever medical treatment he could for Uriel to save his life. Early the next morning at about six, Uriel came to. And all I could say is that it was seeing the Nefesh Elokis at work because with his eyes still closed, he did this, and he did this. He wanted Negolas. I mean, he had just come round. Um, it was amazing. And when the doctor in charge came to do his rounds and he saw that Uriel was wide awake, I think he learned a very big lesson. But as for Gary, this was the first step in his journey to becoming from. He had witnessed a miracle. Gary was the doctor. I think his yarmulke. And wash his hands? Yeah, yeah, because like in the morning, he makes sure his yarmulke's on his head and washing his hand by, you know, when he woke up in the morning. Whoa. Six-year-old kid. But he, like, his soul was just like, he was... Thir oh, sorry, 13. I said six. Right, I don't know where my head is. I, 13. Right. Incredible story. Uh, this is uh, my... So Leah grew up with, um, with, um, with his sister. Um, Gila, Gila Ash. Anyway, um, no, I'm sorry, Gila Raven married to Eitan Ash. Whatever, a brother. Okay, whatever, yeah. So people would write letters to the Rebbe and they would get it. And they would get miracles. So how do we write letters to the Rebbe and how do we get it? We'll save we'll that for discussion after the class. Okay. It's a good question. But, but I, the point of this story really is, I, to me the point of the story is that the Rebbe said a doctor's job is to heal is not to decide this person's not going to make it. You do what you need to do. God will decide what happens. Again, that's when, when the doctor is playing God and saying, well, I, you're going to live, you're going to die. That, the Rebbe says, wait, the, the, you've been given permission for one thing in the Torah, to heal. That's, that's, all, that's all the right that you have. So do, do that, you know, and please God, God will work through you. Now, obviously, at some point, you know, everyone in the cycle of life, but... You got to do what you got to do. And, and that was the Rebbe's advice. Uh, very quickly, because I know we're at the time. Okay, very quickly, a few things. The Rebbe also encouraged spiritual health hacks. In other words, specific mitzvot to channel blessing. I want to read a, a text that talks about some specific um, 
uh, mitzvahs. So if you take a look at text, well, all right, this doesn't mention specifics, but it's a, good, it's a good letter that talks about the general concept. Because again, as we started today's class, everything's blended. Spirituality, physicality, soul, mind, body, spirit, everything's integrated. So as a, as a channel for um, health blessings, the Rebbe encouraged a person to increase in specific mitzvot observance. Take a look at text 15 on page 80. I received your letter, the Rebbe writes, uh, from 1952, I received your letter in which you shared the news about Mr. So-and-so and his family, that he is suffering from various medical issues, and that his wife is also not in a good state of health, and you requested a blessing for them. You need to explain to them that God, the holy and blessed King of Kings, is the sole owner and director of this universe and all its contents. God himself is the ultimate in goodness, kindness, and mercy. All that we must do is to prepare, is prepare appropriate channels to elicit and to receive God's blessings. Those channels for Jewish man or woman are the Torah and its mitzvot. Specifically, I will mention to you, we don't have this in a text, but amongst the letters and correspondence, there were some mitzvot that the rabbi continued to emphasize on numerous occasions. And those are, you ready? Number one, men to put on tefillin in the morning. Uh, number two, for everyone to put mezuzot, uh, right, mezuzot on the doors of one's home or checking to make sure they're kosher, if they're already up, being careful with eating kosher food, studying more Torah, and giving extra tzedakah. Those were some of the, of the mitzvot that the Rebbe would often encourage when a person was going through a medical challenge. And uh, pursuant to that, here is the next video where the Rebbe encourages specific mitzvahs for health. That was July 1989. I wasn't feeling well, and pains in my stomach, and I went to my gastrologist. It was a big mocha, and he took an endoscopy, and he, you know, he straightforward. He said, "I got very bad news to tell you. What? You got a big problem. You got to go get X-rays and everything, and you have to have an operation on your stomach. Otherwise, you you die or succumb." I called the, the 770. Benjamin Klein answered the phone. And Benjamin went into the Rebbe. And he came right back and called me up. And the Rebbe said that I should look over all my businesses in this house and my Rashi's film and Rabbi Natan's film. And I went over to the Sefer. So he shows, takes out the Pasha. He shows me that it's the word Zoch and Zikaran was blotted out. You can't, you can't use these films, he said. He had just written four pashas. Oh. Wow. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> what did I do? How would it know that I pointed it out on the screen? That seems so uh, prescient of the projector. Talk about a smart projector. I was interfering in the video, and it's like, no. I'm out. All right, let's try that again. Maybe it'll pick up. Four pashas to show us. So I bought it from another spot because I didn't want to be without phone. And Baruch Hashem, I had the operation. And uh, everything was all right. And I called the German to thank the Rebbe, that the Rebbe saved my life. So the Rebbe said to him, that does is the food. The I'm <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Some very, very highly specific uh, advice. Who was that South Africa? There was a South African guy over there. Do you guys know who that was? Very, very, uh, yeah, yeah, it was like, okay. I don't know who that is. I bet we can identify him. All right. Um, let's uh, let's kind of wrap this up. Oh, okay. Final point. Final point. Um, the Rebbe had a lot of advice to doctors because a lot of doctors asked the Rebbe, what's the best approach to healing? What's the, what's the Jewish approach to healing? And the Rebbe often said that it's basically, if we look at what we discussed today, that was the Rebbe's advice, a three-point plan. If you're a doctor, number one, always encourage your people under your care, preventative health, preventative medicine. Right? Take care of the body. Don't wait till something's wrong and then get it fixed. So if you're a doctor, encourage preventative health. Number two, your doctor, encourage positivity and optimism, psychological and emotional well-being that is the key to health. And number three, encourage a patient's spiritual health as well. Take a look at one final text, text 17. The Rebbe writes this letter in 1955 to a conference of Orthodox Jewish physicians in New York. There was a conference of doctors in New York City, and uh, these doctors were observant. And here's what the Rebbe writes to them in 1955. The more deeply one delves into science, the stronger must grow the recognition of the truth of the fundamental principles, as well as the details of our Jewish religion. As physicians, in particular, you are in a position to ref as physicians in particular, you are in a position to refute decisively the path of materialism, as is demonstrated by the fact that so many of physical, so much of physical health depends on spiritual health. In the past, emphasis was placed on, oh man, I don't know how to pronounce this, men sana in corpore sana. Okay, a healthy spirit in a healthy body. In our days, it is an accepted principle that even a small spiritual defect causes grievous physical harm. The healthier the spirit, and the greater its influence over the physical body, the greater its ability to correct or overcome physical shortcomings. This is to the extent that even some physical treatments have a much greater impact and benefit on the body's healing when joined by the patient's determination, the willpower, and the strength of their soul. Again, the Rebel was advocating for doctors to treat the whole patient, right, getting back to how we started today's class, um, the, whole, the idea of treating the whole person and not just the body, but also the spirit, the mind, the heart, and the soul, that is where healing really 
comes from. I want to end with one video. I mentioned before at the top of the class about a doctor, Mordechai Shani. The Rebbe advised, the Rebbe suggested in the 70s that the name of the hospital, in Hebrew, it should be changed from Beit Cholim to Beit Rufuah. Here is that doctor speaking about his experience and talks with the Rebbe, specifically his guidance to doctors like himself. Professor Mordechai Shani serves as Professor of Healthcare Systems at Tel Aviv University and is a recipient of the Israel Prize. In 1976, while serving as Director General of the Sheba Medical Center, he was part of a group that arrived at 770 for the celebration of Simcha's Torah. Rabbi Yerim, Okay, this time I didn't do anything. It's just for the record. Right, I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm sure we can get this to work. All right, here we go. כבור בערך שנה, אינני זוכר את התאריך המדויק, בתיאום עם הרב קליין, נקבעה פגישה עם הרב. הפגישה הייתה בחדרו, חדר צנוע, שמתאים לאישיותו של הרבי. היא לא עסקה בנושאים אישיים, היא עסקה למעשה בשיחה בערך של כחצי שעה, 25 דקות, שדנה למעשה בעולם הרפואה. ראשית, אחד הדברים המעניינים, שגם מאפיינים את הרבי, שהוא שם דגש על נפשו של האדם, וראה בנושא הנפש מקור לחוזקו של האדם. ככל שהאדם בעל נפש חזקה יותר, הוא יכול להתמודד יותר טוב בחיים. הגענו דרך אגב לשיחה גם על ביקורי אנשים אצל חולים, והוא הדגיש את החשיבות של זה, לא רק מבחינת זו שאתה בא לבקר חולה, אלא בזה שאתה בא לחזק אותו. אתה נותן לו תחושה שהוא איננו לבד, שזה אחד הדברים היפים בקהילה החרדית, שבו הקהילה עוזרת לאדם החולה ומחזקת את נפשו. בהמשך דיברנו על נושא נוסף, שהוא גם כן מאוד מעניין, כי הוא מתקשר למגמה שיש היום ברפואה, וזה... אוקיי. Okay. Well, no, it's playing directly from the thing. It's okay. I mean, it just wants it to be in, sep- in sections, so. I'm super patient. Thank you.
הוא לא יכול להחליף אותך. מבחינה זו, השיחה הייתה מאוד מעניינת, כי הרבי בכמה נושאים למעשה הקדים את זמנו. אפרופו, דרך אגב, הסוגיה שהוא התחיל איתי בפגישה הראשונה, למה הוא קורא בית רפואה? אומר הרבי, אתם שמים דגש על החולי, אני שם את הדגש על הבריאות. אני רוצה להדגיש שאתם הולכים למקום שרוצה... So close. לשפר את הרפואה שלכם ואת הבריאות. את הבריאות שלכם, לא את החולי שלכם. זה מתקשר בדיוק לתפיסה של הרבי, שבא ואמר, רבותיי, הבריאות תלויה בך. אל תקדש את החולי, תקדש את הבריאות. Victory. Okay, so to wrap it up, uh, today we discovered, um, okay, today we discovered the Rebbe's, there you go, I forgot to hit that. Today we discovered the Rebbe's uh, perspective on health and healing, and to, okay, this, we will, yeah, oh, it's off, oh, it's off now. I can also pull the plug if it gets out of control. <laughs> Someone told me recently, he's like, you know, AI is going to like, could destroy the world. I'm like, can we pull all the plugs? I'm like, it's going to be too late. They're going to figure it out. I'm like, okay. I ho- well, I hope that doesn't happen. Huh? Is it appropriate to pull the plugs? Yeah. You know my joke about that, right? Yeah. Husband's um, watching football, watching the Super Bowl. And he said, there's a commercial, he says to his wife, it's about like one of these medical commercials. So he says to his wife, if I ever get into a vegetative state, pull the plug. She walks over to the TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the jo- that's the joke. All right, back, back to the conclusion. So today we discussed the Rebbe's perspective on health and healing. Number one, a few, I have seven points to conclude the class with. Number, just a recap. Number one, mind, body, and spirit are all intertwined. Number two, maintaining our health, diet, exercise, preventative medicine is a divine mandate. Number three, the key to healing or a key to healing is a positive outlook, which is bolstered by our trust in God. Number four, God, God gives doctors a mandate to heal, so we should heed their advice. Number five, we must stay positive even when a prognosis is not so encouraging because God heals. Number six, improving spiritual health improves physical health. And number seven, doctors ought to encourage preventative health and foster positivity and spirituality. All right, may all of us, I want to end with a blessing. May all of us and our loved ones be happy and healthy, and may God Almighty bring the time that we've all been waiting for, a time when all illness will be removed from the world with the coming of Mashiach. May it be speedily in our days, and let us say, Amen. Thank you all for joining today. Hope you enjoyed the class. Um, next week, thank you, Yaakov. I'll, I'll allow that solo to continue. All right. Uh, next week, the class is called Healthy at Heart. Physical health is only one aspect of wellness. The other critical piece is mental and emotional health. How do we contend with the assortment of mental health challenges that we face today? Join me next week as we explore the Rebbe's uh, innovative approach to inner health and wellness. That is next week, yeah. Letters. Yeah, it's a book. There's multi, multiple volumes. Okay. Basically, it's, it's, it's a book. Well, sorry, it's a series of books collecting the Rebbe's letters that were released for publication. So what, what was published are not the question, not the letters that people wrote to the Rebbe, but the Rebbe's response, taking out any personal, you know, and any information that would be not appropriate to, to share publicly. 
So those, a lot of the letters, pretty much all the letters that we have are from that series called Igro Kodesh. It really, Igro Kodesh literally means holy letters. Yeah. Videos where, like, happy endings, and it's not always correct. Like, what God gave us the woman, like, yes, yes, right? Have you forget about God? God and she did everything she was supposed to do. Yeah, so I Right, so I think that there's one of the letters that we read toward the end that addresses that, basically saying, right, that our our role Hi Linda, good to see you. Our role No, no, I think I think it's it I think the rebel was very consistent. The blessing, the healing, the health the miracle, it's all coming from Hashem. In other words, we can't, we don't, we don't make it happen. But what we can do is be positive and focus our trust, follow the doctors, follow the medicine as well. In other words, make sure we're doing on the ground whatever it is that we need to be doing. Put our trust in Hashem. And then whatever Hashem, ultimately whatever Hashem decides is going to happen. In other words, sometimes, sometimes it won't. Again, as I said in a previous, the Rebbe didn't have children. So, so was it a lack? It, we don't because we don't right. We don't say that if, if the blessing didn't happen, then ah, you must have done something wrong. We would never say that. But the rebel was encouraging us to remain positive, to remain hopeful, to remain optimistic, to put our trust in Hashem, to do all the spiritual things, and to and to. Bye, bye, Jody, bye, Barbara, bye, guys, bye, Eve. Good to see you. Those things will help, but not, not a guarantee. Because at the end of the day, the blessing is in the hands of Hashem. Look, I, I don't want to say I didn't want to say this because it sounds a little cynical. But yeah. the end of the day, you know, every everyone that's born at some point, their life's mission is completed. No matter how much we pray, no matter how much we trust, because Hashem still has a plan. But what our job is on the ground is to remain positive trusting, hopeful, and that just strengthens ourselves and, 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 and puts us in the best position for healing. That's really what it comes down to. Right. No, no, it's, it's a very, right. Right, right, so there's no guarantee. But the rebel was saying this is, this is the attitude. This is the attitude. I, it, I got very emotional. I got very emotional. I get very emotional in these videos. Like, I'm always, like, <laughs> trying to, like, come back after the video and, like, you know. It's, I, don't know I, get, I have to tell you. Yeah. It's true, with the, right? When you say, like, you hear things when you're ready to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was amazing just to see how the text, that's the foundation of the idea of doctors and medicine and how Judaism says, no, you go to the doctor, follow medicine, like, you know, be a good patient, as it were, is like literally what we're living with in Torah, in synagogues around the world. That's this week, literally this week's conversation. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm dealing with some health challenges. Oh, I'm sorry. Really? You're blessed with uh, healing and only positivity. Coming and she'd like to come to the class. Oh, absolutely. I told her we're a week ahead, so. I would say she, 
I said she has to come to the class. Oh, of it's a tradition. Yeah, it's, it's a tradition. Yeah, it always yeah, happens. Hey, Don. Bye, Don. I'm going to close it out. Great to see you today, as always. Hope you enjoyed. She's going to be a week ahead, but we can still miss there. We're a week ahead of them.